Journey to Pascha, Orthodox Spiritual Reflections on Great Lent, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. In this episode, Panayota Kranidiotis, leader of the Young Ladies Group at the Greek Orthodox Ladies Group, takes us through the life and repentance of St. Mary of Egypt, who we commemorate on the fifth Sunday of Great Lent. From the Sunday of the Publican and Pharisee to Great and Holy Saturday, when our Lord lies in the tomb, our journey to Basca is a continuous movement of repentance. Great and Holy Lent is often called the school of repentance, the place where we learn how to repent. What is repentance? It is first and foremost a turning toward Christ. Repentance is a movement of return, just as the prodigal son returns to his father's home. On this last Sunday of Great Lent, before we enter the days leading up to Great and Holy Week, The Church offers us the truly beautiful image of repentance in the person of St. Mary of Egypt. Her life embodies the turning away from self-destructive sin and a turning toward life-giving union with Christ. Today we will consider two characteristics of repentance that are manifest in her life. Firstly, who was St. Mary of Egypt? Her life story was written down by St. Sophronios, Patriarch of Jerusalem, who lived in the years after her repose and had heard her story as recounted by Elder Zosimus to the monks of his monastery. As was the monastic tradition of the time, during Great Lent, Elder Zosimus had gone a twenty days' walk into the desert of the Jordan. He suddenly caught sight of a human being with a withered and naked body and with hair as white as snow who fled in its nakedness from Zosima's sight. The elder ran a long way until this figure stopped at a stream and called, Father Zosima, forgive me for the Lord's sake. I cannot turn to you, for I am a naked woman. Then Zosima threw her his outer cloak, and she wrapped herself in it and turned around to him. The elder was amazed at hearing his names from the lips of this unknown woman. After considerable pressure on his part, she told him her life story. She had been born in Egypt and had lived a licentious and immoral life in the city of Alexandria from the age of twelve, spending seventeen years in this way of life. Urged by the lustful fire of the flesh, she one day got into a ship that was sailing for Jerusalem. Arriving at the holy city, She followed the Christian pilgrims to enter into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and to venerate the holy and precious cross of our Lord Christ. Although the others were able to enter, some unseen power prevented her from entering. In great fear, she turned to an icon of the Theotokos that was by the entrance and begged her with tears to let her go in and venerate the cross, confessing her sin and impurity and promising that she would then go wherever the most pure mother of God led her. She was then allowed to enter the church. 
After venerating the holy and life-giving cross of the Saviour, she went out again to the entrance and, standing in front of the holy icon, thanked the Mother of God. She then heard a voice. If you cross the Jordan, you will find true peace. She immediately bought three loaves of bread and set off for the Jordan, arriving there the same evening. She received Holy Communion the following morning in the monastery of St. John the Baptist and she crossed the river. She then spent 48 years in the desert, in the greatest torments, in terror, in struggles with passionate thoughts like gigantic beasts. After that, as she was standing in prayer, Zosima saw her lifted in the air. She begged him to bring her Holy Communion the next year on the banks of the River Jordan and she would come to receive it. The following year, Zosima came with the Holy Gifts to the bank of the Jordan and stood in amazement as he saw her cross the river. He saw her make the sign of the cross over the river and then she walked on the water as though it were dry land. When she had received Holy Communion, she begged the elder Zosima to come again the following year to the same stream by which they had first met. Zosima indeed went, and there he found her dead body on that spot. Above her head in the sand was written, Abba Zosima, bury in this place the body of the humble Mary. Give dust to dust. I passed away on April 1st, on the very night of Christ's Passion, after the communion of the Divine Mysteries. Elder Zosima learned her name for the first time, and also the awe-inspiring marvel that she had arrived at that stream the previous year, on the night of the same day on which she had received Holy Communion, a place that had taken him twenty days to reach. And thus Elder Zosimas, with the help of the lion that appeared suddenly, buried the holy body of the wonderful Saint Mary of Egypt. When he returned to the monastery, he recounted the whole story of her life and the wonders to which he had been an eyewitness. Saint Mary entered into rest in around about the year 530 AD, and she is commemorated on the day of her repose, April the 1st, and also on the fifth Sunday of Great and Holy Lent. Our Orthodox Church holds her up before the faithful as a model of repentance. Let us consider two characteristics of repentance that we can learn from the life of St. Mary of Egypt. Firstly, the confession of sins. St. Mary was from Egypt, where she spent 17 years of her youth as a harlot. As she recounts her life to the holy monk Zosimas, her story is largely a simple confession of her sins. This is the first characteristic we learn from her repentance. She simply states her sins. She offers no excuse for them. She blames no one. Interestingly, she does tell stories about her life, but her stories are not supplied in order to explain away her sins. Often, when we tell stories about our sins, we're inevitably telling them because we want to be understood. To have our misdeeds qualified, or to excuse ourselves or to blame others for our wrongdoing. St. Mary, however, far from excusing her actions, 
explains how deep sin penetrated her soul. She not only participated in these acts of harlotry over an extended period of time, but she confesses that she had totally embraced this desire. She had no interest in living a different type of life, no interest in turning away from these passions, no interest in battling against them. Contrast her approach with that of Adam and Eve. In what ways are they different? When God comes to them and says, Did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I told you not to? Adam says, The woman you gave me, and that was true, God had given Eve to Adam. She gave me the fruit. That was also true. And I ate it. That was true also. Adam made three claims, and yet he did not repent. His first two statements comprise his story to explain away his responsibility by blaming others. It is as if he said, God, it's your fault. If you wouldn't have given me this woman, I wouldn't have eaten the forbidden fruit. And it's her fault. If she wouldn't have tempted me, I would never have disobeyed you. So, Adam, in hiding behind these words, even true words, attempts to minimize his responsibility. Yes, I ate the forbidden fruit, but it's not really my fault. This is not repentance. What's so powerful about St. Mary's story is that she did nothing to hide the shamefulness of her early years. If we're ever really going to feel compunction and sorrow, godly sorrow for our sins, we have to strip away those stories that we hide behind, that we tell in order to make our sins excusable, understandable, acceptable, normal. This then is the first point. Our repentance must be an honest and straightforward confession of our sins, without excuse, without explanation, without qualification that detracts from accepting complete responsibility for what we've done. Secondly, extreme measures. We often think that Christ came into the world to prevent us from going to a place of torment after we die. The emphasis, however, in the Gospels and Epistles is that Christ came to save us not simply from the penalty for our sins, but from the sins themselves. He came to change our lives here and now, that we would live holy lives, that we would be cleansed in this world, that we would, we would be healed and transformed in this world, that our lives would be enlightened and the darkness would be cast out, that we would be freed from the bondage of envy lust, anger, impatience and greed in this earthly life. Christ comes to change us in these dramatic ways, but not by magic and not against our will and not without our voluntary co cooperation. We cannot change ourselves without him and neither can he change us without us working together with him. St. Mary of Egypt beautifully exemplifies this willingness to cooperate with God's work in changing her life. And in this way, she reveals to us another characteristic of repentance. Returning to God involves extreme measures. In the case of St. Mary, she followed God's leading her out into the desert and lived a life of extreme asceticism for 40 years. 
far removed from the sources of temptation that had so controlled her. There is a temptation for the modern Christian to dismiss St. Mary's actions simply because they are so extreme. Maybe they were fine for her, but they are not for all Christians, and certainly not for me. But her behaviour reminds us of our Lord's words that are directed to all of us. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Of course, Jesus is not speaking literally, but what it does mean is that God wants us to take extreme measures against those things in our lives that cause us to stumble. We may not literally follow St. Mary into the desert for 40 years of repentance any more literally than sever limbs from our body, but we will fail to cooperate with God in our salvation if we refuse to take extreme measures appropriate to the sins that entangle us, continuing to live a normal worldly life that has no place in the school of repentance. How might this look in practice? Consider our TVs, computers, smartphones, and whatever possessions and activities we cannot live without. We have to ask the simple question, would I rather go into heaven without it or to hell with it? It's a serious and difficult question, for if we are honest, it will require extreme measures on our part to cooperate with Christ's work and to remove these passionate addictions from our life. We like to fool ourselves into thinking that we can have it both ways, our seductive possessions and a Christian life. Christ, however, does not offer us that option. Extreme measures may take different forms in our lives, and the measures we take are best worked out with our spiritual father in the context of confession. But whatever form they take, we must keep in mind that they themselves do not change us. They are our way of cooperating with God's work in our life. They are a prayer saying to God, Lord, I love you more than I love these things. A final point to consider. Why is so much said and written about the sufferings and struggles of these holy men and women? Because these saints are counted as victors. And how can there be victory without struggle and suffering? In ordinary earthly warfare, no man is reckoned as victorious and heroic who has never been in battle, who has not endured and suffered to a cons very considerable extent. All the more so in spiritual warfare. He who knows no struggle for the sake of Christ, either with the world or, or with his own self, how can he be counted among Christ's soldiers? Let us learn then from the example of this great saint the confession of our sins and the need to take extreme measures to battle our fallen nature. Let us imitate the struggle against our sins shown to us by St. Mary of Egypt. In this way, our Lenten journey towards repentance will come to fruition and we will be prepared to truly live the personal significance of our Lord's passion and resurrection.
We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Journey to Basca podcast. Please be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and check out the Greek Orthodox Christian Society YouTube channel. Our website at lichnos.org, that's L-Y-C-H-N-O-S dot O-R-G. And our Orthodox Journey Facebook and Instagram sites for even more Orthodox spiritual content.